In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. This morning, our Lord Jesus poses a question to you. What do you seek? The things of this life, or the kingdom of God? In other words, what is most important to you? This life, with all of its selfishness and perversion, its pain and suffering, its tears and its sorrow, its sickness and its death, this life, which will one day surely end? Or is it eternal life with God in heaven? An eternal life of never-ending joy and peace. Another way Jesus might have put this is this. To whom do you cling? Is it to mammon, a God of false promises and false security, a God who can never completely deliver on any of the assurances of comfort and well-being in this life? Or do you cling to the one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the God who has provided you with all good things needed for this body and life and will continue to do so? These are important questions for they determine where your eternal home will be. Your answer indicates to which your heart clings. And that to which your heart clings is your God. Therefore, Jesus tells his disciples, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve two masters, at least not wholeheartedly. Both masters will demand your total devotion, and you will be painfully torn until you give up one and give your total loyalty to the other. If you attempt to strike some sort of middle ground, you will fail to satisfy either or you will alternately be consumed by the one and unfaithful to the other, or you will end up moving toward one and abandoning the other. So, which is it for you? To whom or to what do you cling? Give it some serious thought. Do you sometimes desire mammon over the one true God? Is your concern over your next paycheck or your next retirement check? Is your desire for God often more times than not overcome by your desire to sleep in or to have a lingering breakfast? Is it sometimes your desire to cling more to the things of the creation than the Creator Himself? If Jesus asked you to forsake all that you have, to take up your cross and to follow Him? Would you be willing to give up that extra car, the motorcycle, your house, your boat, your property on the lake, your pets, your spouse, your children, your grandchildren? Jesus did, you know. Jesus did ask you to forsake all other things. For it is written, Then Jesus said to His disciples, If anyone desires to come after Me, let him deny himself 
and take up his cross and follow me. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that you should sell all that you own, get a divorce, abandon your children, shave your head, and join a monastery or a convent. And neither is Jesus. He gave you those vocations, and He expects you to fulfill them to the best of your ability for as long as He gives you in this life. But what Jesus is saying is that these perishable things of this life are not to be honored or desired or coveted above God. Rather, they are to be viewed and viewed as His gifts and meshed into His plan for your life. You see, mammon in and of itself is not a bad thing. Mammon is nothing more than the money and the treasures, great or small, all those things God has given us. It's the simple earthly goods and possessions with which we live out our lives as we go about our vocations in service to God and our neighbor. But mammon is also dangerous because our things can so easily become the focus of our happiness to the point of damaging and eventually destroying our relationship with God. For a time, we may fool ourselves into believing that we can serve both God and mammon. We tell ourselves that once we set enough once we set enough aside to purchase that new home, then we can afford to attend church on a regular basis. Or we tell ourselves, summer is so short, it's a shame not to fully enjoy it. Church can wait until summer is over, and then we'll spend our time with God. Often we fool ourselves into thinking that we are being good parents if we run our children all over this patch of God's creation so that they can attend this sporting event or that school function, etc., etc. If it means missing church because everyone is just too tired to attend worship that morning, we can rationalize that. Besides, there's just so much to do nowadays and not enough time to do it. When the kids are grown up and gone, then we will attend church more regularly. But in too many cases, the day when there will be more time for God never comes. And not only that, you've left a legacy. What do you think that you taught your children about the importance of God during all of those years of other priorities? No, serving God and mammon is impossible. You cannot love mammon, your possessions, your time, your money, in short, your life, and still give God His due time. Either your devotion and your love will be with your worldly commitments and monies and pleasures, or your loyalty and love will be with God and His Word and His heavenly gifts. No one can serve two masters. So we're really left with just two options. There are two masters, two gods. As I asked you before, to what do you cling? Martin Luther tells us in the large catechism, if your faith and trust are right, then your God is the true God. On the other hand, 
If your faith and trust are wrong, then you have not the true God. For these two belong together, faith and God. Do you serve mammon, allowing him to order your day and cause you to worry over things that you really can't control? Do you chase after the wind of his promises, only to find that you never seem to have enough time or money or possessions? Or do you serve the God who feeds the birds of the air, even though they do not toil? This is the same God who brought Abraham's children through the wilderness and through the sea, rescuing them from the hand of Pharaoh. This is the God who fed those same people with bread from heaven without their toil or sweat. This is the God who fed the widow of Zarephath, the prophet Elijah, her son and her entire household from an inexhaustible bin of flour and an inexhaustible jar of oil, all without their toil. Do you serve the God who clothes the lilies of the field in greater glory than Solomon, even though they neither toil nor spin? This is the same God who was incarnate by the Holy Spirit and was made man, who took on human flesh for you. He's the same God who was crucified under Pontius Pilate and was buried and, and, died, and died and was buried for you. He is the same God who rose again on that first Easter morning and then ascended to the Father. And all of this, too, He did for you. This is the same God who promises to return for you and to call you body and soul to be with Him in His kingdom. All of this without your toil. Do you seek His kingdom and His righteousness? Until the promised day of Jesus' return, where is it that we find the kingdom of God? We find His kingdom here. Here in His holy house, where Jesus is truly present for all of us. And wherever Jesus is present, there one finds the kingdom of God. For He and the Father are one. And where you find Jesus, you find the Father also. And where you find the Father and the Son, you also find the Holy Spirit. For the Godhead cannot be divided. And where you find the Holy Trinity, there and there alone you find the one true God. There you find the kingdom of God. And it is here also, in this place, where you find God's righteousness. Here Jesus, the righteousness of God made flesh. Here He is boldly and bodily present with us, giving us His gifts of word and sacrament, which bring to us the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. Right here, that righteousness is poured over us in blessed holy baptism. Here we are cleansed from our sins and our impure garments are removed so that we are then clothed with the garments of Christ's righteousness. You see, in baptism, God adorns you in a garment of far greater beauty than even the lilies of the field can boast. He robes you with His very own righteousness. And that righteousness is both beautiful and perfect. That very same righteousness is placed upon your tongue and poured into your mouth in receiving Jesus' holy body and blood in His supper. 
And this is the same body and blood which unceasingly pleads for us before the mercy seat of God. Therefore, with the entire church of heaven and earth, we could sing, Jesus, thy blood and righteousness, my beauty are my glorious dress. Mid flaming worlds in these arrayed, with joy shall I lift up my head. Therefore, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So it is that we as God's people, we do not have to worry about what we will eat or what we will drink, because Jesus has promised to feed us daily with the living bread which comes down from heaven and to satisfy our thirst with his living water, with his blood poured out for the remission of our sins. Bodily hunger and thirst may indeed come. Even so, we rest on Jesus' words. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. These are the words of eternal life. These are the things of Jesus. Therefore, seek the kingdom of God by receiving the things of Jesus, the King of kings and the King of God's kingdom. Be at peace, dear Christians. The day is not far off when we too will cast off our mortal nature, this perishable flesh and blood of our mortal bodies, and don new, everlasting clothing in the resurrection of our flesh on the last day. For it is written, this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. Then shall come to pass that saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks indeed be to Jesus and to the Father and to the Holy Spirit even now because God's message of salvation and His kingdom have already come among us. And how do you know? Because you have confessed your sins and you have heard Him say, I forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.